Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. Hey guys, good to see you tonight. I see we got a few people that have jumped in already. I'm watching my feed here. I see oh, who we got here. We got Brenda with us tonight. Bill's out there. Jan's out there. Ruthie's out there. Good to have you guys on the feed. I hope we have a few more jump in here in the next few minutes. We're going to give everybody just a minute or two to get in. Um, Joe's out there. Hi, Joe. Hope you guys are all doing well. Sandy and Mac and Pat are with us tonight. Good to see you guys. Give us a thumbs up. You guys throw out a comment. Let us know you're out there. We'd love to see you. Uh, hope you can engage tonight a little bit as we get into our study. We're going to continue on with our fifth week, our fifth session of why we need the Bible. And tonight we're going to focus in on a new area. I'm starting to see some, some comments pop up here, so that's great. Uh, hey, I'm going to ask a question here in a few minutes. So let me go ahead and throw it out there to you guys so the time delay will catch up uh, maybe and it'll give you guys a couple of minutes to think about it. Uh, so here's here's the question. Tonight we're going to talk about why we need the Bible and, and the focus is going to be the Bible uh, impacts society. So my question to you is, what is the foundation of society? Now maybe that's a little deep, I don't know, but what is if, if somebody asks you, what is it that makes a society strong? makes a society healthy? What is the foundation of a society? Here in a little bit, I'm going to try to get some answers from you guys on that. So you go ahead and think about that and uh, hold your answers for just a minute or two, and we'll get you to throw that in. I see Shelly has jumped in. Hi, Shelly. Hope you, you guys, you and Bob are doing well. And uh, I have an announcement tonight I need to share real quickly before we get into the Bible study. Jessica's in. Good to have Jessica with us tonight. So here is the uh, the the uh, the announcement before I get to the Bible study. Ruthie wanted me to remind you all, uh, hey, turn in your family summer challenge score sheets if you have them. If you guys have been involved for the last four or five weeks in our family challenge, uh, turn in those score sheets because this Sunday we're going to be handing out uh, a gift card for $50 to the winner. Uh, so Ruthie is still wants to give you a little bit of time if you want to be involved in that. Uh, you, you can, or if you want to uh, get your score sheet and you still got some time. Hey, are you ready to jump into this tonight? Let's uh, let's dig into God's Word together for a little bit. Let's pray, and uh, then we're going to do that. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We thank you for being such a good God, and we pray tonight for your blessing upon our time. Uh, help us to uh, grab a hold of the truths of your Word, and not, not just have head knowledge, but heart knowledge tonight and application to our life. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's jump into this tonight. So you can see on the screen why we need the Bible. That's the focus we've been going on for the last few weeks. And we've got, I think, one or two maybe more sessions in this. But tonight, what we're going to do, let's take a minute and go back over what we've discussed in the last few weeks. Why do we need the Bible? First of all, the Bible speaks with the authority of God. God is God. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, all of those things. Uh, therefore, he has authority, and his word is what speaks with his authority. So why do we need the Bible? Because it speaks with the authority of God. Why do we need the Bible? The Bible is something that provides a moral foundation to our world. It gives us, it gives us a moral foundation and keeps us from slipping into that place of just relative right, wrong, 
what feels good uh, to you, what feels good to me. It, it provides us a moral foundation that we certainly, certainly need. The Bible also brings blessing and success. Blessing and success to us. Uh, whenever we live up to the, the covenant and, and the truths and the word of God, God will bless us. And we looked at it for a, a, a good bit of a whole week at, at how those blessings and that success comes and what it looks like. The band, What we looked at last week was the Bible also makes families stronger and healthier. Um, and you guys, I asked you a question a few minutes ago. What is the foundation of society? This is a good place right here. If you think you have an answer or if you do have an answer, if you have an opinion, throw it out there. I would love to hear it come through. I'm going to keep an eye here so I kind of know when we've hit that 22nd uh, uh, moment because we're, we're running behind. Usually I've got a lag of about 20 seconds. So if you think you have an idea uh, what is the foundation of society? This would be a great place to put it. And I'll give you a, a clue, a hint. It's on the screen right now. A piece of it's on the screen. So maybe that will help you if you're kind of not sure where I'm going with this. So number four was the Bible makes family stronger and healthier. And tonight we're going to look at this. Why do we need the Bible? We need the Bible because the Bible speaks to society. It speaks to our our society as a whole. So tonight, let's look at, at the first part of this and, and talk about the Bible and how it connects to society. Well, the first thing it does is it guides us and directs us in how we treat one another, how we treat each other. Now, here's the question, and I've been watching. I haven't got any answers yet, or if I have, it's still lagging behind a little bit. What is the foundation of society? What is the foundation of our society? I'd like to hear some thoughts from you. And let me just throw out a couple of um, suggestions, ideas. Some people would say the foundation of society is, I don't know, the marketplace. It's, it's wealth. It's, um, it's, it's capitalism, I guess, would be the way some would go with it. The foundation of society, American society, Western society anyway, is capitalism. Um, I don't think that's the right answer, but I think that's something some people would argue. Some people would say it is the government. The government is the foundation of society. It's our constitution. That's what makes a society strong. It's the constitution, and certainly there's a place for that. But I would suggest to you tonight, and I see Shelley um, actually threw it up there. Uh, first, Families are, in my opinion, families, I believe, are, are one of the strongest um, foundations of society. And let's see what else we got here. So Joe has said morality and lawfulness, and I think I can do this. Joe said morality and law, and uh, Cheryl gave us community. And let's see, Shelly actually gave us the first one, and I kind of gave away my answer already. Shelly said families. Uh, Brenda's with us. She said the law. And so we've got a variety of answers there. And, and I would suggest to you the law is important. Community is important. Um, morality certainly is important. All of those things are important. But I do have to say I go back to um, what is the foundation of society. I think it's the family. I really do. I think if when the family is strong and the family is healthy, and when I say the family, I mean the, the families as a whole in a, in a society, the society is going to be strong. And, and I think you can I, I think you can see that when we look at the inverse that with, with of that in, in in our country right now as the family has been weakened and we may talk about that here in a little bit um, we've watched our society 
go through more and more struggle and more and more hardship and more and more difficulties. So I, I'm going to show you some scriptures tonight, okay? Keep that, in, that, that thought in mind, what is the foundation of society, because it's going to tie into our first scripture. I, I'm going to show you some scriptures, and let me just warn you on the front side of this, okay? This is going to be some really um, radical stuff, okay? This is going to be some really out there stuff. So you guys be patient with me. Hang on as we dig into some really profound, deep, radical um, it can't be so kind of stuff. So let's look at this tonight a little bit. The first place I want to go is Deuteronomy chapter 5. And if you've been reading ahead each week as I, I put out those the, the, the information for the next week, you've read Deuteronomy 5. Let's start with this. Deuteronomy 5, honor your father and your mother. Why do, do we need the Bible? Well, the Bible teaches us commandments, statutes, those things. And the first one uh, that we come into in, in in relation to society in Deuteronomy is this. It's verse 16. Honor your father and your mo mother. Now, if you've read that, you're saying, Pastor B, that's not the first commandment. Well, you're right. It's not the first commandment. But the first section of commandments in Deuteronomy 5 actually don't deal with society or how we interact with each other. They deal with how we interact or our relationship with God. It's kind of a vertical thing versus a horizontal thing. So so we're, we're picking up with the society piece, which is the horizontal piece tonight. Honor your father and your mother. Now, so we, we, we get some we get some truth out of this if we think about it for a moment and we dig a little deeper. And I, I believe you can make the argument that, as I did, the foundation of society is the family. But we see something in there, and it's this. The family consists of a father and a mother. And that is so countercultural right now because we are at a place societally where the argument is being made that the family can look like all kinds of different makeups and groupings and and characteristics and and certainly it can and it can even you can even raise healthy children but by the the, the foundation of the word of god the strongest healthiest family is a family where mom and dad father and mother are honored they're given honor now just think about the condition of our society right now we see so much so much unrest right now going on in our society, and, and I believe, and, and I just don't have time to dig deep into it, but so much of that unrest can be tied back to um, just just the breakdown of the family. So many families without father figures, so many young men and young women without father figures or without healthy mother-father figures, and, and without a, a, we, we, we're going through this stretch where it's either we've got helicopter parents forever that wanted to hover and never let their kids make any mistake, and now it's free-range parents that want to go the other direction and let their kids have almost no control, and I believe we can connect so much of the the unrest and and just the lack of uh, civility that we see in society to the breakdown of that family, of the family union, and it becomes the destruction of the family. And you know, this will be this will be controversial, I, I'm sure, um, but I believe it to be true. And, and there are a number of people that have actually gone deeper into it than I can tonight to support it with with the data. You know. So many of our families, and, and especially our inner city families, are struggling right now. And, and the argument is made that the destruction of the family came uh, in the 1950s and the 1960s when the government stepped in and said, hey, we think it would be a really good idea, anybody that has a child outside of marriage, 
we want to have the taxpayer and the government step in and support that individual and, and support that child for the entirety of their childhood until they're an adult and maybe even a little bit beyond that. Well, human nature being what human nature is, if I have a government entity out there that says, hey, I will pay you and support your child if you have that child out of wedlock, what do you suppose happened? And then they come back and they say, and not only will we support the first child, but we will support the second child and we will support the third child and we will support as many children as you have. What do you suppose happened? It raised the number of, of single parent families in our nation. It raised the number of families that are, are dealing with not having a father in the home. And you can tie statistically time and time again, the lack of a father in the home inevitably raises the, 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 the odds, the, the percentages of not graduating high school, of getting caught up in gangs, drug addictions, just the, the list goes on and on. So when why do we need the Bible? When the commandment comes out, honor your father and your mother, can you imagine what the world would look like? I told you this is some crazy stuff. If people would actually do that. What would the world look like if we actually had families with fathers and mothers consistently that taught their children and expected their children to honor them? Now, I understand parents have a responsibility to be fair with their children. We could go to Ephesians and look at that. But tonight we're going to look at Deuteronomy 5. Ruthie told me the story just before I came up a little bit ago. Uh, it was recorded on one of our local radio stations here of the, the young man. He was a teenager, didn't have a driver's license, left at home by his parents uh, while they went on a short vacation. Don't know how long it was, but while they were gone, he decided I'm bored and he didn't have a driver's license, didn't have a vehicle to get around. So he went out and borrowed his mom and dad's car in the, out of the driveway. And he drove it through a subdivision. He apparently drove it a little bit recklessly, drove it pretty fast. And uh, as you can imagine, it probably wasn't going to end well for him. Uh, somebody in the neighborhood saw it and they called his parents. And his parents didn't do anything about it until they got home. And when they got home, they they confronted him and they made him take, and this this is extreme, but I, I'm pretty sure he got the message. They made him go into his room, empty his room, take the stuff in his room, take it out and sit it on the corner with it. And he sat out there beside his stuff and held up a sign and explained what he did and said, all of my stuff that's sitting here on the corner is now free. Now, I'm going to tell you that would be called child abuse in so many communities across America. But then again, maybe if we had more parenting like that or parenting that was there, there was some expectations and there was some uh, consequences, maybe we would have less of the violence and the problems and the unrest that we have going on right now. Not that there shouldn't be protests, not that there's not a place for free speech, not that those things shouldn't happen, but they need to happen in a way that's civil. It's certainly something to think about. Why do we need the Bible? Because the Bible absolutely speaks to society. It speaks to society. Here's another one. Here's a crazy one, okay? Imagine this. You shall not murder. I mean, isn't that just crazy stuff? You shall not murder. The Bible speaks to, it speaks to society. Now, as a whole society today says, okay, we'll buy that. 
But yeah, we've got people that want to come back and make all kinds of exceptions. You know, it's okay to shoot a police officer. It's okay to shoot at a police officer. It's okay uh, under these circumstances and those circumstances. And can I, can I just say that murder is murder is murder is murder. And it's wrong in every instance, no matter how it is. But let's differentiate between murder and situations where it's self-defense. And we as a society sometimes have lost our minds because we don't even make that differentiation anymore. Jesus had something to say about this, however. He actually took the command, thou shalt not murder. And I want you to see this. Look what he did. He he took it and he explained it. He said, look, you've, you've heard that it was said you shall not murder, but I'm saying to you that everyone that's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to hellfire. Now, Imagine this. Think about what this nation, this society would look like if we actually just did something so crazy as to teach our children and expect our children to behave in such a way that they knew that murder was wrong. They also knew that hatred was wrong. They also knew that to be angry with your brother in in the context there would be angry without cause against your brother or sister. Or how about this one? Insults. Insults bring consequences. I mean, we look at our society today and that lack of civility that goes on and the language that is thrown out there and the attacks that are made sometimes in humor and sometimes in seriousness. Um, it's crazy. And if we just what would our society look like if we actually if we actually obeyed, listened, knew and taught our kids the commandments? Certainly something to think about. How about this one? Thou shalt not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. There's one that's for the record books, right? Jesus had something to add to that too. And maybe you're like, okay, Pastor Barry, I'm good with the whole, I get don't commit adultery. If I commit adultery, then my wife is going to be um, tempted to commit murder. And you know, that just doesn't go well, right? Uh, so I, I get that. But Jesus had something to say about that. And he put it this way. He said, you've heard that it was said you should, should not commit adultery. But he said, I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Can I tell you tonight that that probably that commandment right there, if we would actually live up to it, and I hope, Christian, you are living up to it. But if we would actually live up to that commandment, it would probably knock out about 60 percent of most of the things we call entertainment in America today. It just absolutely would. It would impact how we teach and encourage our, our daughters and, and maybe our sons as well to dress and present themselves. Uh, imagine a society that actually lives up to the commandments of God. And certainly, folks, we as the church ought to be, should be, must be, even if society at large is not, ought to be living up to the commandments of God. We don't even really have that option, do we? Um, he said, anyone who looks on a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I, I told you it's some radical stuff. How about this one? You shall not steal. Now, you would think that one would be just common sense, right? I, I mean, you would think every parent in the world would teach that to their kids. But I looked at the looters that were just, just in the last month were breaking out windows that were going into shoe stores, that were going into Best Buys, that were going into electronic stores, that were stealing TVs, stealing alcohol, stealing beer, stealing shoes, stealing clothes, and, and, and then they want to come back and argue, but it's because we're hungry and we can't pay, whatever. What would our society look like if we actually taught our kids, you shall not steal, and held them to consequences when they did? What if we actually displayed that in front of them? 
And I know somebody will come back inevitably and they'll say, hey, look, the government's stealing from me and these people, the politicians are stealing from me and people have stolen my freedom and they, they've stolen my justice and they've stolen this and they've, st-. you know, you can justify just about anything. The bottom line is for each and every one of us, we don't really have a lot of ability to control what other people do, but you know what? We do have ability to control what we do and what we teach our kids to do. You shall not steal. It's a radical concept, but it's in the Bible. Imagine why we need the Bible today and imagine what our society would look like if we actually lived up to it. Here's another one. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You know what that means? You shall not lie. You shall not lie. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, we've got funny, slick, uh, call it what you will, ways of reinterpreting or relabeling lying. We call it things like this. It's not lying anymore when it happens on the news media or on social media or even with our friends. Now it's a spin or it's a narrative or it's the optics of the situation. You know, here's a reality that the Word of God teaches us. There is such a thing as absolute truth. I mean, everybody may have their own perception and their perspective. I get that. Perspectives vary. But you know what? The truth is still the truth is still the truth. And when we want to take a piece of a story and completely ignore and deny all other parts of that story, or we want to take a piece of a story and look at it from an odd angle that that makes no sense, it's called spin, it's called narrative, it's called optics. You know what it's really called? It's called lying. Imagine a day, imagine a society that actually had built themselves upon being honest where a handshake is a handshake and it matters and people keep their word. Here's another one. And you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And I put in a paraphrase here at the end. I just That's why it's in brackets there, but it's an accurate translation. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's wealth or possessions. Imagine a society where we teach our kids that you need to control where you look, you need to control what you desire, and you need to stop living a life that says, I've got to have as much as the other guy, the neighbor, the the, the parent, whoever the case may be. You know what? Live up to your standards. Live up to what your capacity is. Live up to what you're capable of doing. Work to improve yourself. Work to better yourself and better your family. Work to make a better wage. And stop worrying about having a nicer car, nicer clothes, nicer shoes, or a nicer house than the person that lives next door. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to have shoes as nice as your friend or have clothes as nice as your friend. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have a wonderful wife. But there's a difference between wanting to go out and earn your own or develop your own relationships and coveting or wanting that which somebody else has. We've got this thing in America right now called income inequality. And it's a legitimate thing. There is right now in America, and I was going to pull the stats and I did not have time to do it, but there is a huge uh, set, just a huge inequality in income. We have a very, very small percentage of Americans that control 50, 60, 70% of the income in the nation. And, And even around the world, this is a thing income inequality. It's a real thing. But here's something to consider, okay? Um, there's two ways I can handle that. I can look at the income inequality and I can say, you know, that's not fair. That's not fair that they've gotten what they have. And I think somebody needs to step in and they need to take some of what they have from them and they need to give it to me and other people like me. That's called socialism. 
And we're, we're seeing in our society today such a huge, crazy push for socialism, that the government needs to step in and they need to take the money from the very rich and they need to redistribute it to those that are poor or middle class. You know, we've got a push in America right now in some parts of our, our government to put out universal basic income, which says basically every week, everybody under a certain level of income will get a 600 or $1,000 check from the government every week. No questions asked. Do you know what would happen? We, we, we need the word of God. It absolutely gives us some foundations to build upon. Do you know what would happen in those instances? Same thing that's happening right now with our unemployment. We have $600 a, a week, I believe it is, coming out in unemployment, above and beyond the normal unemployment. And it, it people are actually sitting in their home making more money right now on an unemployment than they can make when they go back to work. And I've talked to more than one employer, and they're struggling right now to be able to find people to come and fill their jobs. And it's not that they're afraid of COVID. It's not that they're afraid of going back to work. It's that why should I go and work a job when the government will pay me more money to sit at home and do what I want to do or do nothing? We have to realize that it all comes back to coveting. I want what somebody else has. Here's a better way to approach it. How about we demand the government continue to give us opportunities? We live in a society that, that continues to develop opportunities, opportunities to educate myself, opportunities to open a small business, opportunities to be successful at what I do. You, you see, see the, this whole coveting and don't covet thing, it goes so much deeper than just, hey, I want my neighbor's car. It has become embedded in the very quality, the very the very core of our society, and it's a problem. And it's stirring a lot of the social unrest that we see going on right now. And I know some of you may say, no, that's not what's stirring it. Dig a little deeper. You look throughout history, and this this is just this is just a factoid. This is just a reality. It's not even really debatable. Anytime income inequality has grown and stretched in any nation, it has always led at some point to social unrest, extreme social unrest. Uh, you, you see it in Venezuela right now. You saw it in Germany pre World War II. I mean, it's just it's just it's just a fact of nature. But the question is, how do we resolve that? Do we resolve it by taking from the wealthy and giving to the poor? Or do we resolve it by continuing to provide opportunity for those that aren't the top 2% to do better? Because I got to be honest with you, I can live a very happy, healthy, productive, joyous, fulfilled life and never even come close to approaching that 2%. They got theirs whatever. Call it fair, call it unfair. I mean, they made sacrifices. They worked to get it. Uh, I think sometimes we're too quick to say, yeah, they cheated to get it. Yeah. You know, there's more um, first-generation millionaires in America than at any time in the history of humanity made it themselves. And many of those millionaires are not people that are driving Mercedes. They're people that are driving the work vans. They're people that are driving the, the uniform cleaning vans. They're people that are working jobs and, but or own small businesses like that. Those are that first generation millionaires. We have it in America because we have had capitalism and free market uh, a status rather than socialism. Certainly something to think about. This uh, all boils down to this tonight. You guys, I hope you all are still with me. So let me just take a break and jump back here for a minute uh, and ask you, you out there, if you are, give me a thumbs up. Let me know that you're still breathing. Let me know that um, you haven't gone to the refrigerator because I can't eat supper till I'm done. So I don't want you all to check out too much on me here too early. I see Sam and uh, looks like Don jumped in and I see Ginger's out there now with us. 
Uh, good to have you guys join in. So if we've got some more, you guys give us a thumbs up, give us a comment uh, as we go on into this tonight. Why we need the Bible? We need the Bible because it speaks to society. Now, let me just give you this summary. And I told you this was some crazy stuff. So just listen to this, okay? This is, this is some crazy stuff, all right? Honor your mother and your father. Don't murder or hate anybody. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet your neighbor's wife or his stuff. That's the summary. Isn't it hard to imagine that anybody would actually expect those to be standards that a healthy society would live up to? Yet, it seems like so much, so often, that people look at us like we're crazy when we talk about that kind of stuff. It's crazy stuff. And really, the Bible does speak to society. There, there's no question. It does. The question becomes this. Will society listen? Can they hear us? Now, now let me just throw this in there, okay? Society is never going to listen to those of us that are proclaiming the gospel if we're not living out the gospel. No, the, no, nobody's going to listen to us talk about living up to the commandments and how it makes a stronger society unless we ourselves are living up to the commandments. And we have to be careful that we don't become the people that points fingers at society and says, you all have messed things up, you have ruined things, you have made things wretched in our nation if we ourselves are not making sure that we're living up to the standards God sets for all of us. If, if we're not, you know what that's called? There, there is a word for that, and, and it's a word that the church has gotten labeled with a lot over the years. It's called hypocrite. And we've got to be careful that we don't go down that path. Hey, let's look at a second piece of this, okay? Why does the Bible, or why why does why do we need the Bible? I'll get it out there. Why do we need the Bible? Um, it speaks to society. Let's look at, at what happens when a society does not have the Bible, does not have the Word of God. A downward spiral develops, and I want you to see this out of Romans chapter one, verse twenty-one. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God. The first thing, the first step that we find when a society walks away from God is this. They begin to question God's existence, question the validity of God's commandments, wonder, is there really such a thing as, as, as sin? In 1950, Time Magazine, some of you have heard this before, came out with a cover. It was their first cover with just text on the front, and it asked the question, is God dead? And then they turned around and they interviewed uh, several theologians who came to the conclusion that, yes, God is dead. God is dead. You, you know, in 1950, we begin to see and, and begin to feel, begin the process of, of where we're at today. The first step is we just stop honoring God. We stop trusting God. We stop obeying God. And that, that, that's what happened to us that far back in the 1950s. So we're talking, what, 70 years ago now? We've, we've, we've progressed and moved past that. There's another step that comes along. It says once we begin to not honor God and not believe God, it says in verse 21, they become futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, they become fools. And all of a sudden we become futile. Think about the amount of money, the amount of energy, the amount of effort our society has put towards fixing this social ill and this social problem and this issue and this issue. I mean, billions and billions and billions of dollars have gone to fix this problem and this problem. It, it, it becomes futile. 
I mean, look where we are today after all the money, all the energy, all the effort. And, and this is the mindset. If, if I could just have a little more money or I could go, move just a little further from God, it would all get better. And somebody along, somewhere along the way has to stand up and say, look, the problem all began when we decided God was dead. And if we want to fix the problem, then what we need to do is once again realize God is not get dead. God is still alive and his commandments still speak to society today and they still are the way forward. Somebody actually has to stand up and proclaim that and live that out. When life begins, these are the things that society's wisdom have approached since the 1950s. Uh, first one is society made a determination. We talked about being darkened in their thoughts and, and futile in their thinking. We Society decided when life begins. It no longer begins at conception. Now life begins um, whenever it's convenient right, for society. And we have aborted how many millions and millions of babies since the 1970s when abortion was made legal. Society goes to dark places. We have determined what the makeup, society has determined what the makeup of a family is. And as I mentioned earlier, it's no longer a mom and a dad and children, but the makeup of the family can be whatever I want it to be, whatever's convenient for my lifestyle and my choices and what makes me feel good. You know, you, you tell me, is the family stronger today than it was in the 1950s? I, I think you would be hard-pressed to make the argument that it is. And therefore, society is not stronger today either. Um, how about this, the importance of marriage? I mean, there was a time when marriage was a big deal. Marriage was a covenant. Marriage was a promise you made in front of family and friends. But not anymore. I mean, how many people don't even bother anymore? Because it just has been cheapened so much. Why get into it? Because if I want to get out to it, out of it, I can get out of it easier than I got into it. And society, in their attempt to make things better in their own wisdom, has become futile and darkened in their thinking, just like Paul predicted in Romans 1. He goes on the third step in this downward sp spiral. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator rather than the creator, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And, you know, we don't have in the majority of America people that bow down to wooden idols and metal idols and, and iron idols and things like that. But nevertheless, I believe we are at a place where a lot of people are worshiping the creature rather than creator. And I'll just give you a couple of examples here. We don't worship the word of God and God anymore. We don't honor them. Rather, we honor human ideologies. Look at what's going on right now. Political ideologies. Ideologies that are put forth by man. The creature. Social ideologies. Ideologies that are put forth by humanity, by society, rather than by God, the creator. Ideologies that cover everything from animal rights, and I'm not for abusing animals. Don't think that for a second, so please don't spin my words, all right? I'm not for that, but we have raised the health of animals to a point where um, it, it, the life of an animal is higher than the life of an unborn baby. That is, and there are people, you say, that well, people aren't worshiping that, are they? Really? Look at the craziness going on right now. People pushing for socialism, communism, Marxism, people pushing for destroying capitalism, taking down our, our political system, our constitution, people pushing for animal rights to the point of actually risking people's lives for those things. I, I mean, if that's not worship, I don't know what it when you're willing to risk your life and your safety and your health for an ideology. 
that sounds a lot like worship to me. We worship some human political ideology and social ideology rather than the word of God. And, 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 and let me just throw this out there to you all Christians, okay? We have to be careful that we don't fall into worshiping the Republican or a Republican or a conservative ideology over and above the word of God. Now, there's a lot of places where conservatism and Christianity um, overlap. But there are places where they don't. And we better make sure, I've said it and said it and said it, I'm going to keep saying it, we better make sure the Word of God is where we're centered rather than our conservative perspective, our political views. Um, I am an American. I'm proud to be an American, but I'm a Christian first. Before I'm an American, I'm a Christian follower of Christ. And we ourselves need to be careful with that. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women, exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. I'm going to read on a few, uh, through a few of these passages as we bring this to a close. I'm running a few minutes late tonight. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God's commandments, God's ways, God's holiness, God's righteousness, uh, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And, and there's where the spiral ends up. As we move away from honoring God, believing in God, trusting God, following God, living for God, living up to his commandments, we move into a place of futile minds and darkened minds. And ultimately, we end up in a place where we're just our, our minds become debased and God gives us up to those things. And my goodness, we are so much seeing that in America, in our society today. And this is where it ends up. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're, they're gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Do you realize just about every one of those things that I just read to, the, to you there it is a contradiction to what we looked at in Deuteronomy chapter 5, where, how we're supposed to relate to each other. Why do we need the Bible? We need the Bible because the Bible speaks to society. Society may not listen but it's still speaking, and it's no less truth today. Though they know God's righteous decree that those practice, who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. You know what I call that, the way I identify that today? People celebrate evil. They celebrate sin. They celebrate violence. They celebrate murder. They celebrate perversion to the point that they celebrate it so much that other people want to do it because it's celebrated and honored instead of, of identified as what it is. That is the final verse in chapter 1 of Romans. That is the downward spiral. Let me end with this, a better way. But now the righteousness of God has been made real through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For all have sinned, and you need to remember that, okay? Before we get too busy being too sanctimonious or too self-righteous with those that are living in the ways that I've described, all have sinned. That's me, that's you. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we all are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And I would suggest to you tonight, as you deal with this world, deal with a society that has moved so far from God, 
you need to remember how God dealt with you and dealt with me. He dealt with us with patience. He dealt with us with love. He dealt with us with a lot of patience, with a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. And when we deal with society, that's the way we need to approach them as well. Not harsh, not angry, not haughty, not better than them. We need to realize they're acting the way their nature drives them to act. And those that will hear, we need to remember and we need to continue to live out and proclaim the gospel. There is a better way. What can you do? Here's some things you can do. First of all, teach your children. Deuteronomy 5, Deuteronomy 6. Teach your kids these things. Teach your kids. Make sure your kids and your grandkids are not the ones that are on the street, that are, are, are caught up in the mess, that, that have lived their lives without consequences. Teach your children as kids, as teenagers, and even as adults. Don't ever stop talking to them and having influence into their, 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 their life. Pray for your nation. We need to pray for America like we never have before before. Pray for God's grace and mercy to your nation. Pray God extend grace and mercy just a little longer. And then I would say this, be a leader. Be a leader in your community and your nation. Be somebody that is not afraid to know what is what on the on, on the topics, on, on, on the policies, and get out and vote. Vote in a way that matters. Get involved in your local school school board. Know what's promoted there. Know, know what's being said there. Get involved in your, your local community and your local government. If we don't do it, if we don't live as salt and light, then who is going to do it? And, and the answer is still today. The Bible is absolutely to this day still needed because it makes society better. I, I hope those are things you all will take to heart, and I hope those are things that you're already doing. But if you're not, if the Holy Spirit's convicting you about some of them tonight, write them down, jot them down. You can go back and re-listen to this if you want to, okay? And, and let's be a people, let's be a church that absolutely makes a difference. Next week, we're going to look at something that's similar to this, and I'm going to bring this to a close, and it's the Bible influences culture. Why do we need the Bible? Because the Bible influences culture. And there's some passages up there that if you want to read and, and kind of get a feel for where we go, we're going, we'll look at a lot of those next week. Hey, guys, love you guys. Appreciate you um, tuning in tonight and getting on our feed, jumping on our feed. I, I'm suspecting some others probably will. They have been uh, jumping on and listening at a different time. Listen, I, I sincerely mean this. Pray for our nation. It's in a really bad place right now. Pray for our nation. Pray God will extend mercy and grace and somehow bring us back to a place of righteousness. Love you guys. God bless. You have a great week. And, um, I will see you on Sunday, or if I don't see you, hopefully you'll tune into our feed and at least you'll hear the Word of God preached. God bless. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com. 